One of the first things that we were taught in seminary and preaching and worship was to always put yourself on the front seat when you're preaching. So this sermon is for me as well as it is for everybody here. Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. The presence of the Holy Spirit permeates the scripture from the first chapter of Genesis to the last chapter in Revelation. It is described as ruach, which means breath, sophia, which means wisdom, and pneuma, which means spirit. And they are all feminine nouns. The Holy Spirit is described as one that empowers service, teaches, gives life, abides, convicts, guides, sanctifies, heals, inspires the prophets, and reminds us of Jesus' words. The Holy Spirit is defined as truth, and the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. With those characteristics and fruits, the Holy Spirit is designed to be an indispensable part of our religious and spiritual life. Jesus specifically said to the disciples, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was speaking from personal experience. He knew that in order for them to carry out their mission, they needed to be equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit. Just as preaching and teaching and healing were Jesus' presentation of the gospel, he wanted apostles to carry on that tradition. He sent the Holy Spirit to equip them. Healing was a vital part of Jesus' mission, and it is evident in the gospels. There are 31 individual healings by Jesus, 20 references to group healings, there are five healing stories only recorded in Matthew or Mark. There are six different stories in Luke and four different stories in John. And these are just the recorded healing stories of Jesus. Jesus also sent out the 12 with his power and authority to drive out demons, cure diseases, preach the kingdom of God, and to heal the sick. He sent out, when he sent out his 72, he said, heal the sick, who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near. Ephesians 4, 30 to 32 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ forgave you. Dr. Karen Schwartz, MD, director of the Mood Disorders Adult Consultation Clinic at John Hopkins says, there is an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed. Chronic anger puts you in fight or fright mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and how your immune system recognizes threats and defends itself. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels, leading to improved health. Dr. Charles Raisin, professor of psychiatry and family 
and consumer science at University of Arizona says, bitterness is a nasty solvent that erodes everything. The data that negative mental state cause heart problems is just stupendous. The data is just an as, as established as smoking, and the size of the effect is the same. Feeling persistently bitter and resentful toward other people, the boss who fired you, the spouse who cheated on you, the child that disappointed you, the friend that betrayed you, can indeed affect your physical health. Paige Harmon, a volunteer staff member, was in charge of the garden here. For 15 years, she dedicated her time and energy with a small crew of volunteers to tend the garden. Tuesday was garden day, and one particular Tuesday, she was taking a break with her garden volunteers in the refectory. As we talked, she called, recalled how the garden looked when she first saw it in 1987. It was completely run over with weeds and vines. As I looked at it, I wondered if we could ever get it under control. Over the years, I have had a lot of experience with weeds and vines in this garden, and I know I have pulled up the children, the grandchildren, and the great-grandchildren of the ones that were growing here when I came 15 years ago. As we talked, I thought of the verse, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no bitter root springs up and causes trouble, and through it many become defiled. Paige went on to explain the different ways you can handle weeds. You can cut off the tops of the weeds, but the roots will get stronger. You can use chemicals to kill the roots, but the chemicals will poison the soil so nothing else can grow. You can use chemicals to kill the leafy part above the ground, but it does not kill the root. Or you can ignore them and let them grow. If you do, they will choke out everything in the garden and completely take over. I looked up the word bitter and found 179 synonyms divided into six categories. Out of the 179, there were six I would consider positive, unsweetened, poignant, moving, touching, intense, and keen. The others had negative, for example, nasty, brutal, tragic, hostile, resentful, edgy, spiteful, sullen, caustic, biting, severe, sarcastic, mocking, corroding. The words sound like weeds. Nasty weed, tragic weed, sarcastic weed, sullen weed. In their book, Transformation of the Inner Man, John and Paula Sanford write about the spiritual weeds we have in our lives. They call them bitter root judgments. Bitter roots feed patterns in us that lead to broken relationships, habitual sin, and many other kinds of bad fruit. Weeds of negative thought patterns that have been planted in the spirit out of hurt, frustration, fear, disappointment, and anger. Using themselves as an example, John and Paula explained how their own bitter root judgment made in childhood hurt their marriage. They write, I, John, was raised by a mother who was very critical. She made me work long hours and then gave little comfort or appreciation for it. My bitter root judgment was that the woman of my life would always criticize me and seldom affirm me. I believed that any woman close to me would expect me to work long hours, be critical of my work, and insensitive to my needs. 
I, Paula, was raised by a father who was a traveling salesman. He was away for, from home two weeks at a time. Though my mind said, I'm proud of my dad, he's working for us, my heart sang a different tune. Why isn't he ever here for me when I need him? I was covertly angry at men. My bitter root judgment was that the man in my life would always be gone. The Sanford said that they were set up to feed into each other's bitter root judgments and make it come true. What better way for Paula to reap what she had sown than to marry a workaholic pastor who was always gone ministering to someone else? And what better way for John to reap what he had sown than to marry a woman who would become more and more distant the harder he worked? And then there are these questions. Why was Paula's dad a workaholic and always traveling? Why was John's mother so critical? What happened to them? Sometimes the reason for dysfunctional and hurtful behavior comes from sources that are not always intentional or desired, but can develop as coping mechanisms that make sense at the time. The behavior is passed on from generation to generation as children learn from and react to the behavior of their parents and caregivers. That does not make their behavior acceptable. It helps to put things in perspective and understand that sometimes this inherited behavior was in some way an attempt to cope with something that was very traumatic that was never healed. How often have you wondered why ne certain negative, ha 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 negative habit patterns repeatedly occur in your life? Do you find yourself continuing to attract the same type of inappropriate relationships or having the same problems with, job, with bosses on every job? Your current challenges and habit patterns could be the result of having made judgments recently or so far back you can't consciously re remember them. Just because you don't remember them, what you said, doesn't lessen the negative impact it can have on you. It is like knowing this, not knowing the speed limit in an unfamiliar part of town. You will still get a ticket if you speed. The law and its consequences are still in effect in spite of your lack of knowledge. The same basic law governs all things. All things will come to resolution and balance or justice. The laws expressed in physics is, for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. In chemistry it is, every equation or formula must balance. In moral and spiritual life it is, do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for you reap what you sow. Do not judge so that you may not be judged, for with the judgments you will make you will be judged, and the measure, will be given, will, and the measure you give is the measure you get. It is one basic law described in different fields. In the message, Eugene Peterson says in Hebrew 12:5, make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. Reflecting on Paige's conversation, the wisdom of this verse becomes even clearer. If we pretend everything is okay and deny the hurt, the pain and injustice that created the bitter root judgment is like cutting off the top of the weed. The roots go, grow stronger. If we use drugs and alcohol to kill the pain of the bitter root, we will damage ourselves if not kill ourselves in the process. If we just treat the symptoms, chemically killing the leafy part, green part, the root will still be intact 
and we will spend all our time treating the symptoms. And if we resign ourselves and believe there is just nothing we can do to change and accept these bitter roots as part of who we are, they will completely take over our lives and eventually choke the life out of us and everyone around us. The Meshes interprets Galatians 6, 7, and 8 this way. Do not be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, do the growth, work in him or her, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So I asked Paige, what was the best way to get rid of the weeds? She said quietly and simply, you have to dig them up by the roots and you have to get all of it. If you leave the tiniest piece, it will eventually grow back. It takes a lot of time and you have to consistently check to see if you missed any. And you need to check for new weeds growing in different areas. In the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus taught, if you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. For if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your sins. In prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what we do. We cannot get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If we refuse to do our part, we cut ourselves off from God's part. Let me repeat that. If we refuse to do our part, we will be cut off from God's part. The seed sown may be tiny, an anger, a resentment held against some family member as a child and forgotten. The longer it remains undetected and neglected, the larger it grows, and the stronger the effect plays out in our lives. A few years ago, Ramona, not her real name, came to me for healing prayer. She and her husband, Brian, not his real name either, were active in the church and had a very serious prayer life, both individually and as a couple. They had four children, two boys and two girls, and up until recently, everything was going well. Darlene, their youngest daughter, and a fifth grade honor student, almost overnight became sullen and moody and angry, especially at her mother. Initially, Ramona thought it was about pre-adolescent puberty, but her behavior was different and puzzling, and it was getting worse. Ramona and Brian tried everything they knew. They consulted parenting books and went to parenting classes. They sought the insight of a child psychologist and a family therapist, and they just couldn't figure out what was going on. Ramona came to a prayer session, and she was really upset with Darlene. As we sat listening in prayer, what came to Ramona's mind was her anger and frustration at her mother when she was in the fifth grade. She was having problems with her teacher. This teacher was very impatient, and when Ramona raised her hand to ask questions, the teacher would cut her off or ignore her. She wanted her mother to go to the school and talk to the teacher. Her mother did not go. Ramona failed her subject and had to go to summer school the following summer. Ramona judged her mother for not being there for her and vowed that she would never do that to her children. So you know what happened. She became the overbearing, pushy parent, always at school complaining, and this was embarrassing to, to Darlene and caused repercussions at school with her teacher and classmates. 
Once we are able to identify the bitter, once we were able to identify the bitter root judgment, Ramona was able to pray and ask forgiveness for judging her mother. She repented for her actions and asked God to break the power of the vow in her life. The next day, Ramona called me and said there was a dramatic difference in Darlene's behavior that very evening when she got home, and Ramona was able to relax and not be the helicopter mom at school. It has been years since we prayed. The tension and behavior never returned. We have to ask God to reveal to us by the Holy power of the Holy Spirit the bitter root judgments that are choking our lives. God has given us the tools to dig them up when we find them. Jesus set the example as Luke tells us in Acts 5.31. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins of Israel. Repentance, forgiveness, forgive and ask to be forgiven through prayer. They are the tools with which we have to dig. And it is hard work. There is no denying it. And it can be frustrating because you think you have gotten all of the bitter root and then found out there was a little piece you missed. Like Paige said, you have to get it all or it will come back. But we don't have to do it alone. Jesus can and will tarry with us while we dig up those bitter roots in the garden of our lives. Jesus knows how hard it is. He spent time in a garden himself. When we dig up our bitter roots, things change. Things begin to work together for good, visibly. Healthy boundaries are set. Sometimes behaviors change and sometimes reactions to behaviors change. Transformation and healing happens and we are born anew. Good things begin to happen. As Paige got up to go back to the garden, she says, as long as you have to tend to the weeds, you are standing still. But when you get rid of them, you have the opportunity to plant new life or transplant life in a new place. Then you are moving forward. Jesus said, you, don't, you didn't choose me, remember, I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. As fruit bearers, whatever you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you. But remember the root command, love one another. As we are led in prayer and prepare for communion, please take this time to silently reflect on any bitter root judgments that may have come to mind and give it to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Thank you.